Good evening. Welcome to a slightly delayed, slightly postponed edition of New on Netflix UK. This programme is entirely uh, unaffiliated to any official uh, Netflix corporation or anything like that. It is just uh, an unofficial programme. Uh, Rob, let's not get into the hows and whys. There's been this sort of long delay between episodes. Let's, let's not play the blame game. Let's instead say what are we going to be looking at tonight? Well, it was my fault. Um, anyway, um, social. we're going to talk about The Social Dilemma, uh, the social media sort of film. It's on Netflix. We're going to talk about Friday Night Dinner, that sort of uh, comedy. Uh, well, yeah, dark comedy, I would say. Uh, and we're going to do some little uh, minute reviews, uh, minute reviews, I think we're going to call them, um, as well as you may be telling us a little bit about Dirty John. I I don't really know why you hesitated so long when deciding whether Friday Night Dinner was a comedy or not. It's like the most slapstick. Hey, let's not get into that right now. Let's have a, a clip of The Social Dilemma. And here is that clip. When you go to Google and type in climate change is, you're going to see different results depending on where you live and the particular things that Google knows about your interests. That's not by accident, that's a design technique. What I want people to know is that everything they're doing online is being watched, is being tracked. Every single action you take is carefully monitored and recorded. So the social dilemma, um, it's a bit of a talking point. A lot of people in my circles, particularly, the kind of, you know, uh, woke brigade circles, as um, certain people might call us, um, very much um, exercised uh, by this film uh, and it basically if you want to sort of proceed of it it kind of is trying to point out how addiction to social media websites particularly facebook twitter instagram those kind of things um has affected us psychologically on a mass scale um and it's not um uh, i would say that revolutionary in its style um it uses a very traditional talking heads documentary style uh, to it and it, it generally takes people who are white male and have had some experience of either silicon valley or some kind of tech bro as as it sort of said um background and they uh sort of tell us about how they've started questioning the way that social media companies are run and the fact that you know capital is the main order of the day for most of these companies, which you would you could argue is quite obviously the, the case. You know, no one no one would not realise that. But the insidious way, maybe, that those social media um, techniques for garnering uh, not just uh, money from advertising, but also sort of dark money and some of the more uh, underside of the internet is is sort of explored. Um, and the the, the sort of the, the, the documentary side of it, the, the talking head side of it, is interspersed with uh, these sort of strange and not altogether, not altogether unsuccessful um, sort of dramatic interludes, where you have a sort of family who are variously addicted or not addicted to social media. There's one sort of clarion call from one member of the family that it's ridiculous how addicted everyone is, and everyone else sort of um, has various moments where they show how addicted they are, and it ends up in a very peculiar um, place where with one of one of the uh, family members going on a demonstration uh, for a sort of radical group. So these dramatic interludes are simultaneously helpful, but also quite farcical. They just seem a bit mad 
and and um, so hyper real that to make the point. But they make the point, but they also don't quite make it in a smooth way, if you see what I mean. Um, so that maybe is a, is a downside. Um, the downside is that some people have sort of rightly said that the academic um, side of this isn't really to the fore. Um, that some of the stuff that has been said on the documentary, it could have been um, greater, more greatly sort of expanded upon. Um, I think it's a pretty good documentary. I think it does, for those people who probably haven't realised this kind of thing, it is exactly the kind of thing that, sh- that should be made for them. It's not for people like me who probably have a bit more understanding, and that's not to sound arrogant, but, you know, I've looked into this stuff. I know I know that this is the case, and, you know, I'm not, not allowing, for instance, our daughter to have her image on social media until she wants to and stuff like that. And that's one of the recommendations, as they say, to pe- pe- um, parents not to let your kids go on social media, um, which is quite a radical thing to say these days. Um, uh, he, the, the, the end point is don't let them go on until they're 16, which is, you know, for many people would be like, what? How can you stop your kids from going on social media? Um, it certainly made me think about how I would use it in my, in my personally myself, but also how I would allow my kids to use it because I don't think... There's a lot of stuff on there that I don't want them to be opened up to. Um, so I suppose it, it kind of reaffirms what I'd kind of already thought, but it also really will speak to a lot of people who won't perhaps have considered this if they happen to put it on and have the patience to go through and watch the thing. Um, so it's a sort of cautious thumbs up from me. Do you think it's a bit one-sided? Um, I don't know how it couldn't be one-sided because they're coming with a very specific, almost um, an issue where they've got a perspective, where they've taken the perspective of people who are willing to criticise it. And one of the key um, aspects of it was just someone saying, and this was the bit that really rang true to me. And one of my friends has written a blog about this and and also picked up the same quote, which was this early Instagram uh, person, um, a woman, a rare sight in this documentary, it must be said, um, who said something like, well, the internet used to be weird and radical and interesting, and it seems to become too much like a mall. You know, it's too much like just another version of consumerism. Um, and can we get back to the sort of way it was, or is that impossible? And that's an interesting question, I think. And even if you think there isn't anything wrong, wrong with the way it's connected the world, and no one really on the documentary is saying the internet isn't a great thing, uh, you, you can still, you know, I, I don't think that, that that's the purpose to show a balanced view. I think it's to show a perspective. As a bit of an aside, Rob, before we talk about this some more, one of my favourite TV series of all time, which isn't on Netflix, is called Halt and Catch Fire, and that is about the early days of the internet and the sort of um, late 80s as well and PCs being developed things and that is that's really good if you like sort of early uh, early day internet nostalgia like I do but that's yeah remembering how the internet used to be well that that seems even earlier than I'm thinking I mean like 80s and 90s doesn't even seem like that was when you know there was only very very few people on the internet obviously so that must be very specific to that I'm I'm actually thinking of the later period, like between the mid noughties the mid nineties and the six mid- months ago. You're thinking of, aren't you? No, 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 I'm thinking of the mid nineties to the mid noughties. But that does sound interesting. I would I'd still be interested in it. But I think it was when it was when we gra- graduated from like Microsoft Encarta as an encyclopedia mm. to Wikipedia, which became this ginormous thing that, frankly, is the reason that the internet can be redeemed in my view. And I know I know that's quite a weird and probably a bit too iconoclastic thing to say, but I genuinely think something like Wikipedia 
proves that it's worth persevering with the way. Yes, it's just, it's certainly a shining light in a, a big heap of yeah. darkness. Anyway, before we get too grim, um, I mean they're, they're talking about a number of different things. I thought in this documentary, a number of different sort of risks, and they're sort of throwing all these different risks at you. And I suppose the ones that are, there's some that are very obvious to me, um, which is about uh, privacy um, and about the the aim being really to sell you stuff and you know gathering your information to sell stuff. And I think I sort of knew that um, and was very aware of it. I still went into my social media accounts and and. and dug around in the privacy settings, which is interesting to do. And it was saying that it had gathered data from 700 different websites that I'd visited to, to build a profile of me, which was quite a terrifying number. Uh, so that was interesting. But the, the other side of it was, which I think is probably, um, for me, more problematic, uh, but more debatable, is this idea of there being an, an, an echo chamber almost, that, that your own views get... Um, exaggerated and, and get reinforced because it surrounds you with people that you uh, agree with and the classic example is the YouTube recommended channels so you, you start watching one video about about the earth being flat and before you know it you've seen 25 of them all convincing you of the same things and yeah. the argument being that it's create, created a more mm. uh, what's the word divisive yeah, polarized, polarized political yeah. landscape, and that to me was the strongest bit of the whole, the whole shebang. Was they showed a nice graph, and I love a good graph, <laughs> and, and it might have been unrelated. It, you know, it, it may be that it wouldn't stand up to sort of robust examination, but it seemed to be showing that we have become more polarized. And it was mostly talking about the USA, but I think we can probably apply it here. We've become more polarized over the time over the last few years as these networks have grown. That seemed to be that to me was the strongest, most interesting bit of the whole thing. Yeah, I think that is undoubtedly true, but I think that we shouldn't underestimate that that is partly because we stick to uh, our own, to the people that we know or the people where we live. You know, I live in Bristol. I don't meet many UKIP supporters. You know, <laughs> you know, it's like it, part of it is is a self fulfilling thing. Is that the people that you generally know tend to agree with you mostly anyway? I think for most people, I think that genuinely is always. Not always been the case, but it, it tends to be the case, doesn't it, um, in society? Yeah, I suppose uh, you, you surround yourself with people that agree with you. I suppose that's probably true. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think I think you're you're exactly right. Is that uh, that is worrying? How it is um, producing a society that only sees things through its own lens, and so it literally becomes a fight, a battle to the death. And that's what you see in U.S. politics. And that's what you see in pretty much every um, industrialized country has this kind of politics now um, where it is just like one side battling the other um, and the kind of consensus that's required to get anything really done in most systems is going to become harder and harder to come by and that is really really worrying because there's massive problems we have in the world and, and they're not going to get solved um, it, 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 it always feels to me as well that I feel like I'm quite a sort of moderate person the other way of putting that is I'm quite indecisive if you if you gave me a five minute argument of why x is a terrible idea i'd probably agree with you and then if you gave me a five minute argument why x is a brilliant idea i'd probably agree with you <laughs> yeah. and i and i sort of feel like that that's not allowed anymore it, it seems to be you have to pick a side and go and, and that's it 
and it didn't seem to be the sort of open debate that the the World Wide Web sort of you hoped would would create. I think what's been really interesting for me, there's one particular issue, and this is a slight tangent, but I think it's worth it to make the point, um, is that I've been engaging in conversation online in the last couple of months, uh, two or three months, about HS2, because... Um, the sort of political tradition I'm in is very uh, well. I'm a green, so it's like more sort of towards the sort of environmental. We shouldn't let one tree be chopped down in for any reason whatsoever, that kind of thing. Um, but then there's also an argument for HS2, isn't there, that it's going to connect up the country and stop people driving everywhere and give people another alternative. So there's like these two options um, within a specific sort of mindset, and it's really interesting at the moment, I think, how that issue is not dividing along necessarily partisan lines. It's dividing along different lines um uh, and i think there's still scope for that i think that's what i would say is that we shouldn't give up hope that actually proper civil discussion is 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 possible and okay it might not happen on facebook and it might not happen during a pandemic when we can't see each other as much but i genuinely think that most people when they go along to a public meeting or when i don't know when they're watching the news will will consider both sides of the of the perspective if they are genuinely decently put sides the problem we've got is that the polarization has occurred that means that they're not decently put they're mad (laughs) they're just out on such a limb that you can't it doesn't grow anything it doesn't give you any scope for hope or optimism that there's some kind of consensus there so yeah i don't know whether that was a good tangent but it's what i wanted to say no it's we we could talk about social media eternally i think let's read i'll read a couple of reviews out these are from the Cardiff Internet Movie Database. The, the <laughs> 1 out of 10 review. All this doc does is blame the other and doesn't entertain the idea that maybe us, the user, should share some responsibility for our actions in life. Netflix said that fully grown adults are victims to buy their kids' mobile devices and to social media when there's no real cases of people sharing the true ramifications of social media, just actors reading lines. I heard the line, the race to keep people's attention isn't going away, and yet no one mentions Netflix is equally concerned with getting eyes on their platform. This propaganda piece literally does the very thing it warns about social media. Completely biased, a sleight of hand magic trick and nothing of any value because it's not the full story. A documentary shows interviews with people involved in real events to provide a factual report on a particular subject. This is not that. So that was the... uh... A good example of how the words become polarised. Yeah. It's the one out of ten. Well, of well, ten what I'd say, what I'd say about that, Rob, is um, he's not the first point they make isn't a bad one. You know, we do all have responsibility for our actions, um, and so you know we can choose not to be on social media. Now, there's a talking head in the you know in the film saying that, saying that you should delete your social media accounts. He's literally being that bold about it and saying, and he's written a book saying that, hasn't he? Um, and he's, he's a bit of a sort of long hair and a hippie and you kind of look at him and go, oh, really, mate? Really, really? But then he's he's not wrong in many regards. He's kind of saying that, like, yeah, if you just delete it, it'll, your life will probably get better. You'll be able to go outside and enjoy your life. And yeah, so there is personal responsibility, but that doesn't take away from the fact that there are massive, powerful interests in charge of these social media companies and influencing the people on those sites. So the, the problem is the... Because I watched it and thought, right, let's see, I've got to get rid of all this rubbish. A lot of these technological things, they're so double-edged to them, and you become dependent on them. Now, what I'm not dependent on is silly, silly videos and updates from people that I was at school with and no longer speak to. That stuff I, I can all lose. But there are other things on social media that are, that are genuinely useful. 
like just being able to get in touch with people you've not spoken to for a long time and all those sort of things and, and similarly with like having a smartphone someone a while ago was saying to me i'd love to get rid of a smartphone but i just find having maps so useful mm. and just having that information available but you can't really have one without the other unless you're going to start carrying a sat nav around with you well or you get or you do what i did a few weeks ago when i wanted to go on a walk that was quite hard to map because i wanted to yeah. go in a and don't ask me why but i wanted to go in a direct as the crow flies straight line uh, <laughs> so I got an A to Z and I drew a ruled line in my yeah. A to Z. <laughs> I, I suppose, I, yeah, I, that would be radical. Yeah. To actually get a paper map. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay, the 10 out of 10 review. The headline of this review is Everyone in the world needs to watch this. <laughs> I got off Facebook years ago. I never missed it. Shortly afterwards, I deleted all other social media platforms. I don't watch mainstream media news either. I do my own research into everything. Social and MSM are huge problems in the world today. Lies, lies, lies. This documentary is just a peek into what they're really doing to our society. I applaud these men and women who've been there from the beginning, now realising the huge problem that is social media and doing what they can to educate us. They're pulling back the curtain, begging us to see. So open your eyes and see. Then tell everyone else. The only way to change starts here. Thank you for an honest documentary. So is that um is that person called M N Chomsky by any chance? <laughs> that, it has that sort of vibe. No, C Scott two three three one. Oh okay. Move the database. Um yeah so it's a yeah. But I think I think you you can't I mean you can't just absolutely just blanket this mainstream media like if it went away tomorrow if there was no bbc news no channel 4 news no you know no none of the news organs none of the newspapers that'd be dreadful wouldn't it you know so i think this idea that like that i mean he you know he shouldn't say that that's the opposite of what he wants because he doesn't want the social media people to have control he would he would presumably like there to be a local newspaper that you read that you can trust that you think the journalists are actually yeah. got noble intentions just because it's got the word media in it doesn't really mean it's anything like traditional media yeah they, they, they work in completely different ways and doing completely different things so yeah I, i've often felt that when it, yeah they're, 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 they're nothing like each other yeah um but i think you can't you can't say that the documentary is a wholly uh, is wholly successful because it is as i said earlier very focused on trying to convince people who aren't already convinced which is the right approach in my view but that does mean that it does have you know massive massive problems in terms of it actually its analysis is quite shallow it's not trying to go deeper into this it's not trying to name specific individuals companies um you know powerful people that it's trying to take down as maybe a more campaigning style documentary would and that might be another documentary to to make um but that, that it's quite rightly not doing that it's quite rightly going for the lowest common denominator of like what actually do people think about social media most people will probably have a slight suspicion of stuff just because what they've heard about russia and trump and all this kind of stuff but won't really know what the problem is this does a very good job of making it very clear very concise and uh, very simple to understand i think yes i suppose it's relatively shallow isn't it compared to but then i think it would be quite boring if they, they tried to make it too deep it just wouldn't be accessible and i think that's why it had this sort of um, this drama threaded throughout it, which I thought worked okay actually. It was a bit, um, it wasn't subtle, was it? But, but it, it it was a, it kind of kept it kept it from feeling too much like a lesson 
at school, wasn't it? Yeah. But I think I think sorry Rob, just to say I think we underestimate people a little bit. I think even if you're not dyed in the wool politico and follow every movement of every tick of uh, you know whatever a politician says, you're still gonna like have enough intelligence if someone did make a documentary that did go into exactly what has happened with Facebook, with Twitter, with Instagram over the last ten years. If someone just made that documentary and just almost showed exactly what the moneyed interests are, exactly how different. Uh, people and organisations have influenced um, those organisations. That would be worth watching, and I think most people, most people might not get everything that goes on in that documentary. But I do think generally most people would be interested in that. I just think that that isn't this documentary, and that's the right thing. Is that it's not this documentary? Yeah. Hmm. What score do you think it receives on average on the Cardiff Internet Movie Database? Um, uh, I think on the Cardiff Internet, uh, what's it called again? Cardiff Internet Movie Database. It mm. probably receives, I would say, about a seven because I gave it a seven actually. So I think probably. I don't about... want an about a seven, or I want your guess, want your exact guess. I don't want you to have any wiggle room for. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Seven point two. The correct answer is seven point seven. So you're not far away. That's a very good score for what I would say is quite an average documentary and that sort of proves what i was saying is that most people are going to go oh my goodness they're going to have that kind of reaction to it where most of us who probably know this stuff again i sound arrogant but (laughs) you know go yeah of course that's happening but like is this is this providing anything new no but it's presenting it in a way that people are going to get it so yeah super all right let's look at the next thing which is a, a new feature which definitely will work and will last which is called minute reviews because they're reviews that last for a minute now these are things uh, that rob has been plowing through um on uh, netflix uh, i haven't seen all of these but i'm going to listen intently and i might probably won't i might uh, watch some of the ones that he goes on about so rob i'm going to time you and i i am going to cut you off um after uh, a minute so could you please? Uh, there's going to be 45 seconds of a trailer before. No, it's not really. Uh, so, um, Rob, please could you give us your first minute review? So, the first minute review is I'm Thinking of Ending Things, which is directed by Charlie Kaufman, who's well known as being a screenwriter of films such as Being John Malkovich and Adaptation in the early noughties. He has since um, directed a number of films like Synecdoche, New York and Anamalisa, which have been a little bit more disappointing, frankly. They've been very, very um, well constructed, but actually quite soulless in my view. And this, unfortunately, is similar. It's very, very well put together. It's very creepy. It's almost a horror film, I would say. Uh, But it basically follows um, a woman who is uh, thinking of ending things, as the title suggests, uh, going on a drive to her partners, who she's thinking of ending it with, um, house, uh, well, his parents' house, and the strange things that go on as time and uh, memory and all these kinds of things intersect. It's very highfalutin. It's very, in some ways, it's very pretentious. But, uh, it's very compelling for the first, I would say, two thirds to three quarters of the film. Uh, unfortunately, it's massively let down by its ending, which doesn't add to, up to anything. And unfortunately, there isn't a clear storyline that goes all the way through it. Great timing, Rob. 59 seconds. <laughs> yeah, that's good. All right, what's your second minute review? Okay, the second minute review is Athlete A. Um, am I starting now? You, you've already you've already wasted five seconds. Oh, what? What? No, hang on, start again. Start again. Start again. Start again. Right, start the clock again. Talk. Well, 
as soon as you said the name of it, that's when the time starts. You've got 40 seconds now. No, no. You can have have your full minute. Your time starts now. Athlete A is a documentary about um, gymnastics and specifically US gymnastics and the uh, sexual abuse that went on uh, through the 90s. Well, for a very, very long time. Uh, There's a doctor. I've forgotten the name of this person but they're very reprehensible and in jail and uh, so there's no real spoilers here the problem with this documentary isn't really to do with the story which is incredibly powerfully told it's to do with the fact it keeps cutting to these newspaper reporters who are investigating it and really these scenes just aren't very helpful or it doesn't really seem to have any point as to why they're having all these scenes with these newspaper people and it seems very staged um otherwise it's an incredibly powerful documentary about people speaking out against abuse um within a a very institutionalized and don't ask questions kind of culture um i wouldn't recommend it just for evenings light entertainment but it is very well worth watching if you want to know more about this specific instance i also think the uh no I've, i've got nothing more to say that's that's it yeah Oh, interesting. I wonder what he was going to say. We shall never know. <laughs> Go on. Um, right. Have you got any more minute reviews? I've got. I've got two more. If you want them. Two more. All yeah. right. Uh, just, why is there? I think just one. I mean, this might be stretching the. Uh, no, come on, come on. In fact, in fact, why don't we? Why don't we uh, break this up by me doing my review? Yeah, go on. My then. minute review. Go on then. Because that'll sort of pad it out, won't it? It'll sound, it'll sound more interesting. Okay. Uh, mine's going to have nowhere near the same comprehension as yours. Okay. At all, because I've not really prepared anything or thought this through in any great depth. However. Go on. Um. Right. The time starts when I say the name of it. Yeah, go on. Okay. I'm watching. So, Dirty John, series two, is called Betty. And it's the Betty Broderick story. So we talked about Dirty John uh, on this, and I gave it as my highlight of last year, which caused you to sort of your draw to drop a little bit. But it was this sort of th- thrilling real life story uh, based on a podcast um, about this uh, this con man, effectively. Now, series two is quite different. It's got uh, Connie Britton and Christian Slater in it. Um, it's uh, it's another sort of similar story about. Um, a woman facing a huge amount of pressure um, and and how she reacts to that and the sort of outcome it has. I thought that the the directing, uh, the writing um, and the acting were absolutely brilliant in this, uh, probably much better than... Ten seconds! Ah, but to, for me, um, it didn't have as many jaw-dropping moments as the series one did. It wasn't quite as exciting. Stop! Stop! Yeah, okay. Well done. That's wrong. That's very good. I, I'm, I'm, I, I did watch one episode of that and I turned it off because I was like, this isn't Dirty John because it didn't feel like it was a follow-on from Dirty John. It was John. nothing to do with it, really. And also, I, I got confused there and said I had Connie Britton in. She was in Series 1. It was Amanda Peet in Series 2. Okay, so you've added five seconds there. So that means yeah, you, sorry about that. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I'm not going to carry on because that's not within the rules of um, my new reviews. But... Uh, I think it's a bit of a cheek to call it Dirty Thomas John Series 2. It's a yeah. good series, yeah. but I don't think it's related to the first one. Anyway, that's by the by. Rob, your next minute review. Okay, we're going to go with David Attenborough, A Life on Our Planet. So no one dislikes David Attenborough, or do they? David Attenborough, I'm going to be controversial here, he said some things that are pretty dodgy. When he was asked about Ethiopia, he was saying that too many people... Um, are being given food uh he has said that in the past that's unbelievable but look it up it's really true but 
he is genuinely speaking the greatest living British naturalist. He is an absolute titan of knowing about all the aspects of the natural world and the problems. The problem I've got with the documentary is it's beautiful. And we've seen a lot of beautiful documentaries from David Atten before. This is supposed to be his witness statement to say what the problem is and what we should do about it. He, he does say some things that we should do about it, but he doesn't really have a very good political, um, what's the point, message. He doesn't really sort of spell out what it is that we, need, that we need to do to actually stop ourselves from destroying the planet. So it was very frustrating for someone who's quite well versed, but it might be really up your street if you love beautiful things. Okay, so too beautiful, and you don't like David Attenborough. That's fine. <laughs> Number right, final final one of your minute reviews. Uh, the final one is Disclosure, uh, which is a fantastic documentary. I cannot recommend this documentary highly enough. It follows a number of trans and non-binary people in the United States, in particular. Uh, and their interpretations of uh, their film watching experience from their life through the lens of someone from one of those uh, communities, from trans and non-binary communities. And they talk through Hollywood films, lesser known films, uh, and look at the specific way that trans and non-binary people have been portrayed in Hollywood. It's so good. And it also goes into sort of what is going on in terms of uh, uh, transgender rights at the moment. But it's so good at getting to the heart of certain things that a lot of us won't have even noticed you you if you've ever seen ace ventura pet detective watch this film and go oh my goodness i cannot believe i watched this film and didn't notice all of that horrible stuff that was going on in the film i really recommend this it's it's a work of empathy watch it that sounds like a curious it sounds a bit like goggle box is yeah, it? Yeah, it is a little bit like Gogglebox. That's actually quite a good comparison. Um, it's not, it's not like people going, oh, stupid Boris and things like that. But it's like, <laughs> it's it's kind of it's kind of the American version of that, but on a very specific theme, as you can understand. Okay. Right. Well, history will decide whether that feature works or not. I think it was. We'll, uh, we'll I think. Move on. I think we knocked it out of the park, Rob. Yeah. Yeah. Final thing we're looking at tonight is a Friday Night Dinner. The, the series that's arrived on Netflix is series five, uh, but we're going to talk about it generally. And here is a clip. Ready now? Yes. Ready. Muzzle tough. Ready. He keeps chewing his winky. You got any more chicken? So Friday Night Dinner, I haven't, I'll be honest with you, watched the most recent series. What I like about Friday Night Dinner, what I love about Friday Night Dinner, it's just it's just fun, isn't it? It's just like it's just funny. Everything that happens in it is designed to make you either laugh or recognise something about something maybe that your family <laughs> does, or just an idiosyncrasy that you've had happen. Now there are a lot of things that are out of the ordinary, like um, you know, Martin, the dad constantly taking his shirt off because he's boiling um, or, you know, eating stuff out of the bin or, you know, the boys putting salt in each other's glasses. Now, these these are things that people do, but they're, they're heightened in, into some sort of slapstick thing. Uh, and it's just, it's, uh, if you, the more you describe this stuff, the less funny it is. So maybe I should just leave it there. But what I would right. what I would say is it's just it's just so brilliantly put together and so brilliantly written. Um, it's just just a classic. It's, it, it should be acknowledged as a classic, and it, it, that it isn't probably is sad because it means that people think that comedy has to be like Seinfeld or I don't know 
something highfalutin like that's really like working with the form or whatever this doesn't need to work with the form because it's so funny i'm gonna read my poem oh yes I wrote, uh, the um the poem goes like this it's not my best friday night dinner i enjoyed quite a bit it's not perfect but i started watching and didn't quit the best bits are the slapstick and the brothers rivalry and most episodes were very good apart from some of series three but there was one character who didn't work for me. Can you guess who it is, Rob? Shall we see? Um, is it the one played by um, Mark Heap? The, uh, Colin? No, not Colin. Uh, Jim. Jim. Yes, it is. I sort of felt quite often it was getting into a good sort of vibe of them having family discussions and then Jim would turn up. And in a way, that was sort of the point. And he was always interrupting them. But I felt... He was in a bit too much for me. He was quite an ex- extreme character. And sometimes he did really funny things. But sometimes I, th- I thought he stopped the flow of the programme a bit. That was my... I, I, think, I think that's a fair comment. But also, yeah, I think that is entirely the point. That it's like, oh, no, no. It's, it, it's almost like it's a way of pointing out every now and then, oh, you were having such a good time. There's always something to put a dampener on it, isn't yeah. there? <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, kind of... I, I watched I, I sort of didn't binge through this but I, I watched all six series wow. over the space of a couple of weeks and really enjoyed it I think there's a it, it's a funny one really I really would recommend it I really did enjoy it it's such a nice light thing to watch you know sometimes in, a, in an evening you don't want to watch some heavy documentary about social media what you want to watch <laughs> is something quite quite nice and light and in a way, it's great because the episodes are self-contained. You can just watch it and it makes you smile a bit, and, and that's that. But sometimes I felt it would have benefited from a bit more of a, an ongoing story arc to it. And there was very little of, of that, of sort of um, things developing as they, as they went along. Um, and there was one episode, I think Series 3, where, he, where one of them brought home a, a girlfriend. Uh, and then that was sort of never mentioned again. She was never seen again. And I would have liked that to sort of carried on and there'd be more to it. But I think what they're going for is more of a sort of, um, it's almost like watching a farce, you know, and that's not meant to be a critical thing. That sort of style of comedy. Mm, yeah. Uh, of a lot of slapstick and just a lot of silliness. Um, but I felt sometimes it didn't have as much heart as I wanted because of that. That's kind of... Yeah. I don't think I it, it's not really supposed to have heart. It's supposed to be poking fun quite scabrously at times at people's foibles and at people's weirdness. Yeah. Like it, it, it's, it's Robert Popper, isn't it? Who writes it, who, who did um, a series. He did in between us, didn't he? Is that the same guy? Uh, I don't know. But I, what I know him from is he did those um, telephone calls where he, he called up different oh, people. Right, yeah. Yes. Yes. That makes more sense. Um, but I, I just, I think it's his style of humour. It's just like, it's so well written. Like, I mean, even if you, yeah, I completely agree with your criticism of it, um, that it doesn't have heart. But then I, if it did, would that detract slightly from, I don't know, it's hard to say. Kind of at the end of series six, it developed a bit of kind of heart and emotion to it. Oh, did it? Okay. Um, Can you say more? No. Okay. <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, over time, the, the character of the dad really grew on me. I thought he had a lot of the best lines and a lot of the best 
um, yeah. pieces. I think that sometimes I, we, we just sort of looked at each other and said, well, you know, they get into this ridiculous situation. And we looked at each other and we sort of said, well, why don't they just do that? You know, and there seemed to be a very easy way way out of it. And, and that's when it didn't hold together for me. But at the same time, I, you know, the fact that I watched it all, yeah. um, it, you know, and I think I probably did my belly laughs most in the first series or two. Yeah. I think with, with anything, it gets it, anything gets harder to kind of keep it fresh, doesn't it? I mean, it's never to be the case. I should say, just on uh, the subject of the dad, uh, Martin, as he's called in the show, um, it's weird when you've watched a little bit of uh, Chernobyl because he's in Chernobyl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a serious role, a very serious that's role. That's right. I forgot about it. It's uh, the same guy, isn't it? And it's, um, yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Okay, so, a 10 out of 10 review. Uh, Brilliant Bit of Squirrel is the title, which relates <laughs> to the programme. Um, I watched episode one under protest and thought, what a load of crap. Three years later, I'm hooked and have watched the whole lot at least <laughs> ten times. Tamsin, that's Mum, and Mark, Jim, are my stars, but it wouldn't work without the whole ensemble. A very low-budget TV show with no special effects, props are limited to a frozen fox and a spitting image Prince Charles mask. This classic relies on nothing more than brilliant writing and acting. They both conspire to make my belly ache with laughter. I die every time that Jim flinches away from Wilson. Genius comedy. Not to mention Gran accidentally kissing Dad on the chest. More, please. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, uh, and the yeah. 1 out of 10 review. Yeah. Awful. Seriously awful. <laughs> I saw this a few months ago, back to back, and I have to say it's one of the worst programmes I've ever seen. The acting is so bad, but the jokes are even worse. <laughs> How on earth the producer said this is what him and his brother did at parents at his parents on a Friday night is beyond me. If I did that with my brother, I would have got a slap across the head from my father. <laughs> there are no decent jokes in this show. It just tries so hard and just falls flat on its face. Tom Rosenthal and Simon Bird are the worst thing in this show, and maybe it's them that drags this show in the ditch. The amount of references to The Office shows there's no originality in comedy from these two Muppets. I've never liked Simon Bird because he constantly thinks he's Ricky Gervais. And more than anything else, he has no comedy in his bones. Please avoid this show as you'll soon realise this show has absolutely no intelligence. I mean, come on, that is harsh. First, first of all, right, the first review said the acting and the jokes are brilliant. The second review said the acting's awful and the jokes are awful. Right? And then this guy says... If, my, if I did pay like this, my father would slap me across the head, which is exactly what happens with Friday Night Dinner. His father slaps him across the head and says, stop being an idiot. That's what happens regularly. Isn't this just like someone having a laugh at our expense? Isn't it? Just I don't know. Maybe. That review has made me like Friday Night Dinner more because I just think I'm standing up for it. I think it's good fun. It's, a, you know. Yeah. It's a good series. It is a good series, and and um yeah, it is. I completely agree with what you said earlier about it being a perfect. Just watch something that is gonna make you feel happy and <laughs> laugh at something. It's an easy thing to watch. Yeah, yeah. I would say. Uh, right, the IMDb average review score, Friday Night Dinner. Rob. Okay, so we're going for that's the whole six series. We're going for a whole okay. lot. Um, well, I think it might be quite high. Uh, there might be quite a lot of naysayers who are like, I don't get why this is funny. Uh, 6.8 You need to learn, Rob, TV series always score better than films. Oh, yeah, sorry. 8.1 Wow, okay. Good. That's good That's good that people, you know, it's rated. 
Uh, does it won any awards or anything? I, like, I, I want to know, like, externalities. Has it actually won anything? Like, well, it won, uh, it won a BAFTA for Tamsin Gregg's performance. Did it? How do you know that? Um, well, funnily enough, I had the awards pages up in front of me on, on, on the IMDb. On the what? On IMDb, there's an awards page. No, no, no. Oh, no, you missed the chance there. I, I said, oh, the what? And you should oh, sorry, say... the Cardiff in the database. <laughs> well done, you saved it, you saved it. <laughs> Just in time. Uh, best sitcom, it was it was nominated. It was nominated for these things. But it didn't, it didn't win anything. So Tamsin Gregg's won... Why is Tamsin Gregg won? Really? No, she won... Uh, she was nominated for best oh. female performance in a comedy role in the 2012 BAFTAs. I think it's not... I've not heard loads of people raving about this program. I don't think it's going to go down as a, as one of the classics. I don't think. Um, but I think it's it's too silly. It's too silly. It's too silly. Yeah. It's too farcical. I think most people like a conventional comedy. But the bits that made me laugh the most were, you know, it pushing his head down the toilet and things like that. It's you know <laughs> that sort of slapstick stuff. Yeah. Definitely, um, definitely worked for me. Yeah. Interestingly enough. Um, the top rated episodes on IMDb, the final, final episode, series six, episode six, series six, you can watch on channel four on demand, um, but not on Netflix yet. Uh, that was the highest scoring one. Okay. Of all. And wow. then the next one was the the Fox episode, which I didn't really like very much, but that scored 8.9. Wow. Um, and then the next one is along similar lines. It's called The Mouse, and it's about, well, there's a, that's a series two episode. Um, where there's a, a mouse running around the house. That one was quite funny. I can't but, remember that. Um, I can't remember that one. I think I've seen it, but I can't. What happens in it? But um, oh. yes, it, it, yeah. I think it's. I, I think it's. Uh, I'm glad you made me watch it because I hadn't bothered to watch it before, really. But I liked it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try and watch the rest of it at some point when I've got more time. Um, yeah. I mean, there's only like, although a six series seems a lot. There's only 36 episodes, and they're only 20 minutes each. So it's 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 not like you're committing to watching House of Cards or something. No, that's true. You're right. Yeah. I've got to watch the end of House of Cards as well. Damn it. There's so many things that I haven't watched. It's, oh. I wouldn't bother. Really? Um, <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah, no, it fizzles out. Anyway, that's a, that's a discussion for another day. Uh, all right, Rob. Well, that's it for this episode. Hopefully it won't be quite such a large gap for the next one. Um, we will... Um, choose some nuggets and some juicy nuggets to watch for next month um, so all it remains for us to say is thank you to, to nobody nobody this, but thank you to you if you listened to it and if you made it to, to the end congratulations well done congratulations